0: Well, hey, everybody, I'm Ben Field, and this is the Hillsong Film and TV Podcast.
1: You really do see incredibly talented people in this town who, for various reasons, and there's many of them, from taking your talent for granted to not understanding the business side of things, which means everything we do cannot focus on just us. In order to make it to the top, you have to have a team of people around. You have to have, to have people who are supporting you, who can stand beside you during those hard times, because it's tough at times. And a lot of it does sometimes just turn on a dime. We have so much coming at us all the time that we are constantly in fluid and scrambling for, what's the next thing, and what should we be pulling in and pushing away, that it actually is going to leave us with a sense of hopelessness which for us is the faith-based community who knows who hope is. This is the most important thing I think we could take away from this.
0: That was actor, author and founding partner of Cook Pictures, Kathleen Cook, who along with her husband Phil through their company have forged strong foundations in the Hollywood film and TV scene, creating many pathways for faith and media to grow. I know this podcast is going to help you as Kathleen brings amazing insights into the multiple aspects of the media world. Well, Kathleen, thanks for joining me.
1: It's incredible being with you, Ben. I love what you're doing at Hillsong and all the work you've been doing. Well, thank you. Thanks for all your hard work.
0: Well, thank you to you. It was uh, a few years ago that I came over for the Biola Scholarship and spent so four days back to back going to meetings and you opened up a whole world to me, which I'll always be grateful for so
1: <laughs> I brought you in, into the prison of Hollywood <laughs> you did you did
0: and you gave me great little encouragements along the way and some hard truths in the car. It was a moment in my life that um, was a was a catalyst really for where I am today and I'm eternally grateful for you and Phil and everything you're doing. So life growing up for you tell me. Uh, You were born in Las Vegas.
1: Yes, Sin City. (laughs) Uh, My father was recruited to be the first basketball coach in 1949 for Las Vegas High School. Bugsy Siegel had just built his first casino and Las Vegas went from literally a, a watering hole in the middle of the desert to this secret gambling casino, do what you ever want to do in the world there And um, Vegas turned into a small city, and my father had been a basketball coach and big star in college, and so they asked him to come. He said, oh, I'm just going to come for one year. And uh, I buried him there several years ago. But he still holds the record in Nevada for winning more high school state championships than any other man. So that's pretty cool. But it was a very crazy place growing up. It's interesting because I think God prepared me even then to have a life in Hollywood, specifically because you see the bright lights of Vegas and all the allure and the promise of fame and fortune. And certainly I was there during the big years of the Rat Pack coming through and Elvis and all those big you know, headliners that Vegas was the place to sing and be at.
0: And so you get married and you and Phil, your husband, moved to Hollywood. What was the dream in your heart for you, coming into Hollywood.
1: Well, growing up, I had an outdoor trash can full of costumes and my fa- my mother had collected them from thrift stores and flea markets so that I could have my own set of costumes, I could create my own characters and have my own theater, but never dreamed growing up that I actually could make a living at this. And uh, so I went into teaching and that's another long story, but I was a school teacher for several years and Phil went into production and we moved to Los Angeles in 1991. And that's when my dream of that was hidden for so many years came to to fruition. And um, I went headfirst into theatrical acting and learning it from top professionals here in the area and uh, working within local theater and um, did a lot of commercials at the time. Um, Back then, stars didn't want to be in commercials. It was kind of below them um, (laughs) uh, until they started realizing there's some money to be made there. And that's what worked for me. I could go in and shoot for a day. I had my family. Phil was travelling all over the world and doing productions and um, I could go in and shoot for a day and be done and uh, have those great residuals coming in. So uh, it
0: worked. Being a woman in Hollywood, has that changed much from then to now?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think the doors have opened quite a bit for women but yet they have a lot further to go. Um, I am working right now and trying to produce a film of predominantly using all women in the cast and predominantly as crew and um, and in the lead positions. But, uh, yeah, it's always a challenge in women. I, I think mainly because it's been a boys' club here for so many years that women are just cracking open the door. And certainly, don't you love Wonder Woman coming out recently and having right. that um, great you know director being there to open the doors. Kathleen Bigelow is another one that's done some great stuff. And... Um, and Lori McCrary is a good friend and um, has done some incredible stuff with Morgan Freeman's company and, and their company together. So there are some leading women out there that are making headways, and uh, but we have have a way to go yet.
0: You, um, I read your bio. It says uh, you're the co-founder of the Influence Lab, cook pictures, actress, businesswoman, writer, speaker, and of course, I know you're a mum and a grandmother. Yes,
1: already, I can't believe it. <laughs> Does it
0: seem to be? It seems to be what you need to be to survive in this town. Have you always been a go getter and building your life full of surprising things?
1: You know, it it really you, you have to have energy in this in this uh, community here. Um, it is a very competitive community, and so often you have people who have been good at what they're doing back home but you really have to be great at what you're doing back yeah. home to make it here. Um, the competition is huge. They, um, I was told at one time there's about 22,000 students that graduate from undergraduate schools every year that head for Hollywood and um, looking for a position in Hollywood or New York, in the two markets. So you've got to have a pretty good idea of what's available out there already. Um, you have to have a pretty good talent pool going um, and but that's not all of it. I think it has a lot to do with your passion, your ability for your own drive and your energy level um, to be able to persevere especially in the theatrical acting field well in all of them really, you know but actors get turned down two and three times a day so where maybe you know you might be able to pitch your, <laughs> Your screenplay or whatever once a week or once a month. Right. Um, actors are doing it two and three times a day and getting mm. turned down. So you, you have to have a life. Um, you have to know where your contentment is and where your peace is. And I think that has um, all played into the fact that I don't take my identity from my work. I take mm. my identity from who I am in the Lord.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, I know that your heart from knowing you has been around encouraging people and helping them achieve those dreams that they have in their heart. But I'm guessing not everybody makes it.
1: No, and and that's the sad part. You know, Ben, you really do see incredibly talented people in this town um, who, for various reasons, and there's many of them, from um, taking your talent for granted to not understanding the business side of things. Uh, which is so vibrant, and we always have to remember it's the Hollywood industry, the Hollywood business, and there are real true leadership skills. It's a collaborative business, which means everything we do cannot focus on just us. In in order to make it to the top, you have to have a team of people around you, you have, have to have people who are supporting you, who you, from even from a faith-based point of view, um, you you need people who are praying for you, who can stand beside you during those hard times because it's tough at times, and um, and a lot of it does sometimes just turn on the on 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 a dime. And I understand that. Again, that's a that's a Vegas term back there, the <laughs> luck of the draw. But that's uh, that's kind of what what it is.
0: What What are the fundamentals that you try and teach young people when they come in with? the the Hollywood sign in their eyes and thinking that they're going to be the next studio head and, and make a big difference? Because it is possible if they understand their journey and their calling, but what are some of the things that, that you've taught them over the time?
1: Yeah, well, so I have four reasons that I teach when I go to universities or when I'm in front of a group. I was just teaching in New York last month to a couple hundred uh, students from various universities for a conference. And so four things, four reasons you need to head to Hollywood, and then maybe a couple that you should stay at home about. uh, So so I'll just run through those real fast. I'd say the first reason that you need to come to Hollywood is because of the location. Um, We are shooting projects now all over the world, and there's certain, incredible things happening in Atlanta, in Vancouver, um, in various places. Austin, Texas has a big uh, hub. Texas has a big hub in general. So besides Los Angeles, we are seeing production being done and outside of Los Angeles. But the key players are always from this area, you will always have to come back to Los Angeles, possibly New York, for something, whether it be sound design or engineering or uh, colorizing your film, whatever it is. But your top people may have ranches in in Kentucky, but they have homes in Los Angeles yeah. because they live here, and so this is where the industry lives. This is this is the way it is. Several years ago, Phil and I were in, uh, were shooting a project at Universal Studios, and um, one of the things that was so poignant to us is we had a we had a camera breakdown at three o'clock in the morning. And we just sent somebody down the street to have it fixed or have it replaced because it was open. And you can't go to Podunk, Missouri and have a camera shop ready and open for you to have something fixed at 3 a.m. in the morning. So the first thing would be location. We are here. The second thing is, is part of that is the collaborators and connections are here. So a part of that is we do have this community of people who live and work here, and you have the ability to really rub shoulders. I mean, that's the old Hollywood dream of walking into a restaurant and starting a conversation. And I've heard it over and over again of people who will do that or they'll be at the gym and they'll get connected with someone. We had a good friend several years ago who was on a soccer team and with some of the heads of the studio. So that's how he got his big break. So you have this collaboration, have this ability to rub shoulders with these people. So LA, New York, you know, this is where the the connections and collaborators are. And the third reason would probably be this, Los Angeles is the place to be. Um, And when I say that, it's where you take in the culture. Part of the industry is understanding the culture of where we are, um, the the way people work, the hours that they work, what they're interested in, how to approach them, what is the culture that is surrounding um, Hollywood and New York. Um, It's really interesting. Several years ago, Phil was up um, doing a project up the Amazon. He was way back in the 90s. But it was quite interesting because... Uh, Even now, recently, we just got back from India, and I I found this same thing happening. Um, Our industry is seen and heard around the globe. And going back, you know, Phil was taking this uh, camera crew up the Amazon, and he got to this village that took him, you know, three days by boat on a barge, then up with a canoe for two days. And, I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. and. He gets to this village and there is nobody around. It was like, you know, aliens had taken them off. <laughs> and so he went from hut to hut looking for them, came to the last hut, and there they were, huddled around a little tiny black and white TV set powered by a battery, watching reruns of that old show, Dallas. On television, <laughs> right. um, and so that's the kind of thing. I mean, there, you know, here, here you are in the remotest part of, of the jungle. Um, you know, we cannot separate ourselves. Yeah. There is a culture here that people are understanding, and so in saying all that, we, you know, Los Angeles, New York is where you understand that culture and, right. and how people are living. And then um, a couple reasons um, why maybe you don't want to come, and that is if you're here to be an Uh, If you're here to make money and not be an artist, if you're here to be a celebrity, it will kill you. Um, You have to come for the right reasons. You have to come for the love of what you're doing and the passion for what you're doing because money won't keep you um, driven. It will only send you down roads of depression and um, areas of feeling not enough, not good enough. So that's, again, where your faith comes in, I believe. You have to be able to be passionate about working in the industry. And then another reason um, not to come would be if you cannot be supported within your family and the people who love you and are around you. Um, It's so important. And I see this happened year after year of a husband or a wife coming because they get a big break and they get, you know, a job or a promise of a job and they move their entire family out here and um, it doesn't come to being. Or they have come out without their family and left them in the Midwest or left them somewhere and they're not supported and, and that's really difficult. Um, it's one of the reasons I'm on the board and have helped supported the Hollywood Prayer Network because we have an understanding that that support is so important. So don't come if you are not supported. Now, I'm saying all that in in, in with one caveat, and that is sometimes God does tell you something that other people around you may not be hearing, uh, may not be hearing, but... Um, that's rare and in that case again that's why we have this group of prayer partners and people that can surround you and support you and help you while you're here but um, but for the most part be on the same page as the people who are in your life, it's important you cannot neglect them
0: that's great, great tips um, and for anyone listening who's thinking of making the trek to Hollywood to do it that's um, some great wisdom in there when you when you think about the the influence, because most people who come here with with that dream, they they want to be an influence. They either want to make art and make money for that art, or they want to be an influence. They want to leave something behind that's bigger than just the products that they've created while being here. Um, but what does the future hold for influencing the next generation? Is it the way that we need to be thinking about influence when we're when we're looking at this media hub, which is Hollywood?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, uh, Ben. Um, I think that as a faith-based Christian producer, for the most part, which is where most of our work has been has focused, though not all. We've done Super Bowl spots and we've had a, you know, a huge commercial company that's gone for years and produced some mainstream films as well. But predominantly, we we have worked within the faith-based community. And so influence plays a huge part of that. But in knowing that we study Hollywood, to make a film in Hollywood, uh, it takes a minimum of five to ten years, generally, from the time of thinking about it, getting it together. Um, certainly, your big blockbuster movies, will, you know, usually take about ten years, and so Hollywood is constantly looking at projecting the next ten years. So it's interesting. I was just working with a futurist recently um, out of Silicon Valley. And uh, he's got an incredible book. His name is uh, Bob uh, Johannesson. And his book is called The New Lead. He's got 10 books out from his years and years of working in the future. His newest one is The New Leadership Literacies, thriving in a future of extreme disruption, and distributed everything. And so his clients have been everywhere from Procter & Gamble to Disney. And he had some really interesting things to, to say. He is studying 3- to 10-year-olds right now, because in 10 years they will be the 13- to 20-year-olds. And as Christians working in faith-based media, particularly in entertainment, we tend to focus on what's happening now, maybe maybe a year or two out. And following trends, which we have to do. We have to stay within what's trending right now to stay up and, and what's happening with that. But we don't necessarily always think about that next 10 years and where we should be. And so I listened in our company at Cook Pictures, we listen to what's being projected even in 10 years because we want to be on the cutting edge of things and we want to be able to help the Christian faith-based community and media and entertainment to understand Who is that audience? Because ultimately, that is... Where you're going to be selling your products? Where you're going to be performing? Those are the people of the future. So, a couple things that he, he he laid out for us, which I thought was really interesting. First of all, he said millennials right now they don't even look at. He said they're calling them the lost generation because they are so lost in debt. They are so lost in where they're going and they're fumbling around. And they uh, he said we we don't we're not even paying attention to those to those, but we're looking at these three to ten year olds. And they will be so consumed with media that they won't know when it's off. Almost the only time they might think it's off is when they're sleeping, but even then, there's subliminal things that will be happening around them. Mm -hmm. We are will be getting rid of computers. Of course, our our eye watches or our watches are just coming into being now, but eventually they will all be kind of in a cloud situation where you will have these messages just floating around in your eyesight, ah. and you will kind of just push them away if you don't want them. But everything will be just constantly coming at you. It will be a fluid kind of situation. The thing that changed all that, of course, that they look at and the cutting edge is, uh, is the iPhone or or the smartphones. It's interesting today I heard on the radio that we are marking the 10 year anniversary of this smartphone is 10 years ago wow. was the first smartphone that was being introduced. And so that is the, the, the differentiating cutting edge uh, that they look at is that iPhone coming in because it's so now consuming and being a part of our lives. Um, his focus is on disruption. He doesn't look on what's happening that's normal but what are those things that are being that are disrupting our life the iphone the self the smartphone disrupted our lives and what did that do to the way we we consume media and how how we observe things and so he's looking at, at the next world calling it a vuca world v u c a he the uses the letters v u c a vuca world standing for vo- being very volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous. But overall, he looks at us at this generation as being a scrambled generation. We have so much of this stuff coming at us all the time that we are constantly in fluid and scrambling for what's the next thing and what should we be pulling in and pushing away mm. that it actually is going to leave us with a sense of hopelessness, which for us is the faith-based community who knows who hope is. This is the most important thing I think we could um, take away from this. This next 10 years, these next 10 years will be about further and further us as individuals walking into hopelessness. And as Christians, how do we create content? How can we bring hope to the hopeless. Um, One of the things he talked about is that they do not, the next generation doesn't want certainty given to them, they want clarity given to them. So clarity comes from the Word of God. And I believe in my book that's coming out is all about focusing the individual on making sure that they are grounded in the Word of God because the Word of God is going to keep us in clear terms on where we are and keep us on sure footing. And so as leaders in faith-based media, I think these things are so poignant for us in the future in helping those who will be hopeless and giving them hope, giving them Clarity, not certainty.
0: Fascinating, and you mentioned your book as well. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yes, so um, I'm really excited. I um, I never thought in a million years I would ever write a devotional. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on the Center for Bibles Enga- Center for Bible Engagements eight year study, hundred thousand people in global cities around the world. On how we engage with God and how does that affect our lives? So they did a huge research on how often we go to church, how often we're reading the Bible, how often we pray, watching television, inspiring stories. What what how is that affecting our lives? They found that if you are not engaged personally in the Bible four or more times a week, you will make no significant choices or changes any different from someone who never reads the Bible. So that tells us how poignant and potent the Word of God is in our lives and why, especially in an industry that we work in and live in, how that can affect our lives and how important it is.
0: That's fantastic. So what's the devotional called?
1: So the book is called Hope for Today, the number four.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, um, Connecting with God in a Distracted Culture.
0: Fantastic. Well, for those people that are listening, I hope you can check that out. I want to thank you, Kathleen, for joining me here on this podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Ben. Great being
0: here. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to hear more from Kathleen Cook, why don't you check out her weekly blog and her new devotional at KathleenCook.com. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this monthly podcast on iTunes and our YouTube channel. Plus, you can follow us on social media at HillsongFilmTV. Before we go, just a quick shout out and a thank you to my co-producer and the man behind the faders, Josiah New, and I look forward to being with you again next time on the Hillsong Film and TV Podcast.